0: In this episode, I talk with sex therapist, author and TED Talker, Dr Karen Gurney, aka the sex doctor on Instagram. Karen shares an exercise that will help you to uncover who you are sexually. It will also work to unlock your personal formula for great sex. We started by discussing the misleading notion that it's possible to be good at sex.
1: This idea that we've had that um sex is something that people can be good at i always find a really fascinating concept because it assumes that sex is one thing and that everyone values that same one thing and that by having some kind of practice in that one thing you somehow become skilled at it and then the sex that you have with someone else is quote good sex and that couldn't be further from the truth because just like we all like to I don't know have different ways of expressing our creativity we all have different ways of expressing our sexuality and one of the pitfalls we can fall into is what we what we call in sex science a kind of prescribed sexual script of what sex should look like so an assumption that one person does this then you do that and then this goes in this place and then there's one orgasm and then that's the end of it. So that's what we call the sexual script. And we know that generally speaking, if you ask people, they can reel off that sexual script and it involves certain sexual acts. It privileges penis and vagina sex as the main course of sex, which um, isn't helpful for anyone, but certainly very exclusionary for queer people who might have a different type of sexual script as well. So it really skews things for us having this concept in society of what sex should look like it also starts to diminish our motivation for sex a little bit if the things that are unique to us the things that really get us going sexually aren't part of the sex we're having and how can we make those things part of the sex we're having if a we don't know them ourselves B, we can't communicate them to a partner and C, we live in a society where we're not expected to do that thing. In fact, we're expected to do something else.
0: You've actually developed a particular tool, and exercise to help people to deepen their understanding of their their unique sexual selves, haven't you? Yes, I have. This is called the Conditions for Good Sex Triangle and it's a tool to
1: help people look at their sexuality and work out for themselves what are the optimal conditions for sex to go well for them. And it's a snapshot in time because obviously all of our sexualities are constantly evolving. So our preferences, our needs, our physicality will be changing all the time. So it's not a definitive blueprint for us. It's a blueprint for us on this day in these circumstances, Um, but it's something that we can use to reflect on the sex we're having, whether that's casual sex, whether it's solo sex, whether it's sex in long-term relationships, and see how closely the sex we're having maps onto these conditions for good sex. And when our conditions for good sex are met, it means that sex is more rewarding for us, which improves our desire and makes sex something that we want to be having more of it means that the sex we're having is more physically and psychologically pleasurable and we're more likely to be in the moment. And what that does is mean that the sex itself is more enjoyable and our bodies respond in the way that we want them to. So... When people's conditions for good sex are met, they tend to have, for example, more reliable erections. It's easier for them to have orgasms. They feel more pleasure from sexual touch. They feel less pain or discomfort from sexual touch. They feel more arousal. They feel more transcendent in the sex that they're having.
0: Wow, so lots of reasons to do this. What's the first step?
1: So the first step would be to get a piece of paper and... I put a, a line down the middle and think about writing a column for the three best and the three worst sexual experiences that you've had. And I want people to think about three things. The first is about psychological arousal. So what was it about that situation that you found hot or erotic? Was it about the connection you had with the other person? And if so, what was that? Was it passion? Was it animalistic? Was it sensual? Was it trusting? Were they a stranger? Um, Was it that you felt very desired by them? Did you really desire them? What was it about how you were feeling about yourself? Did you feel particularly body confident? Did you feel um, in control of the situation? Did you feel out of control or very submissive? So, thinking about the psychological arousal. Then, getting people to think about what about the physical stimulation? So, what types of touch, what types of sex, what types of positions, uh, what types of sensations are things that they find enjoyable? Trying to break out of the mold of what society is expecting and thinking, well, actually, if I think about solo sex, how do I touch my body? And how closely does what, what brings me to orgasm during masturbation, solo sex, how closely does that map onto the sex I have with other people? And I can tell you it often doesn't. So thinking about that as well, physical touch, types of kissing, ways of kissing, sensations that people enjoy. And then the last one is being in the moment. So being really present. So in those best sexual experiences, did you have moments of losing yourself in that? Versus, and the worst experience is column, were you not in the moment at all? And were you plagued with anxious thoughts about what does my body look like from this angle? I don't think they're enjoying this. What if I don't come? What are they thinking of me? Those types of thoughts, which are really common to all of us during sex, but tend to really diminish the sexual experience for us. So starting off, three best sexual experiences, go through them in your mind. Try and write with these three titles in mind, psychological arousal, physical stimulation, being in the moment, what it is about those three best sexual experiences that fit under those headings. Then do the same for three worst. So what was it about the connection with you and that other person that was really lacking? What was it about how you felt about yourself in that moment? What other conditions were really lacking for you? Perhaps you didn't feel there was any privacy. Perhaps you felt rushed. Perhaps you were really tired. And there could be many things that go in there. And then when people have had some time to think about those... And if they've never had any sexual experiences, then you can still do this three best and three worst columns just by thinking of things like sex scenes you've read about, sex scenes you've seen on TV, or things you think about in fantasy. So you don't have to have a lot of sexual experiences to draw on to come up with what you think would be in the best and
0: the worst columns. You're basically drawing up. a a recipe, like a list of all the ingredients, the ingredients that you enjoy and the ingredients that you don't enjoy to see what your favorite recipe is for sex.
1: That's a great way to look at it. I love the recipe idea. I should have called it that. (laughs) (laughs) But we, we then draw out a triangle because these three points, psychological arousal, physical stimulation, being present in the moment, are three points of a triangle that all interact with each other. So each of those has an influence on the other. So the less in the moment you are, for example, it doesn't matter how good the touch is. Your mind is elsewhere and your body won't respond the way you want. Um, So they all interrelate. So I'll get people to write the conditions they've started to understand at each point of the triangle. So we're starting to build the recipe then. And then we might look at current sexual experiences and say, okay, with solo sex, with masturbation, how close do each of these points of the triangle map what's actually happening for you? And are there more things you could bring in that would make this experience better? And then we might do the same with casual sex, and we might do the same with sex with a long-term partner. People often find that there are bits of the triangle that are quite significantly missing. And they might be missing because they've never known that about themselves. You know, they've never understood that actually there's this one thing that's really crucial for them to have good sex. And because they've never known it, they've never been able to communicate it to someone else, whether that's a casual or a regular partner.
0: It is crazy, isn't it? How much um, importance we place around sex, and yet how rare it is to actually stop and sit down and pay attention to what you like and what you don't like and what you've enjoyed and what you haven't enjoyed and and try to fathom why that was the case. It's it's something around sex that we kind of take it for granted, that it's either good or it's not. But actually, if we stop and we pay attention and we put a bit of effort in, then we can find... All these magic ingredients, and really understand them, and then we can take steps to make sure that they're in place
1: absolutely. And it really ties back to this idea that our bodies should just respond sexually when we want them to, out of the blue, and that uh, there is such a thing as being good at sex. It's impossible to be good at sex. It's not a thing because the only way we can be, quote, good at sex is if we spend time understanding our partner's triangle. And we find ways to see the common ground between our triangle and theirs. You can't be good at sex without this. You could fluke it and you can have accidental good sex with someone. But being good at sex is just not a thing.
0: Because actually, it's back to that idea that we're all completely unique. And so you can't be someone who's just good at sex across the board because it's all about understanding how you're going to interplay with the other person's triangle perhaps it's something you'd recommend to people quite early in their relationship.
1: I mean, I would love it if everyone did this as a regular thing because we're constantly learning and we're constantly having new experiences about sex that go in either of these directions for us. It's good for us or it's not good for us. But we're never having the time to reflect and assimilate that into helping us have better sex over time. And Given that our sexuality, our sexual preferences and our bodies and our relationships are constantly changing, there isn't really a way to continue to have good sex without doing this, without having some sense, whether it's formal written down process or just a kind of internal reflective process. You know, one of the fascinating things for me is I might work, for example, with um, a man who's struggling to maintain erections and he says I want my you know my penis to work reliably it's not staying hard it's not getting hard when I want it to and when we do this exercise and we look at conditions for good sex we find that there's something quite crucial missing in the sexual experience for this person which of course his body's not responding well to so for example he doesn't feel his partner really wants to be there and he feels that you know, his partner might be lacking in enthusiasm or interest and is just going along with it to keep him happy. That is something which fundamentally clashes with his conditions for good sex, because for him, psychological arousal is about being desired. It's about connecting with someone on the same level. And so without that, his body doesn't respond. So absolutely essential to, to understand.
0: And how amazing because doing this exercise, having that new level of self-awareness could really unlock challenges like that because then you know what you need to ask for and you know the conversations that you need to have in order to create the right environment for you. For you to overcome that difficulty. Yes. I think it's fascinating how few of us have ever stopped to really think about what it is that we find sexy. I think for so many of us, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to be sexy for someone else. And maybe we don't spend... Any time or, or very little, considering what it is that turns us on.
1: I absolutely agree. And I think that that becomes even more challenging in a society that tells us what we should like sexually. So, what we should be into, how the role that we should take, um, or the things that should be important. So, you know, a good example is that we're often sold an idea that it's really important to um, have intimacy with someone, to have good sex. And yes, for some people, intimacy would be one of their conditions for good sex. And they have the best sex with someone that they know really well and have a very deep and intimate connection with. For some people, they have the better sex with a stranger and their conditions for good sex, the psychological arousal, is most met when that person has no expectations of them. Or doesn't know them in any way because it allows them to really be free. And so the ways in which society tells us what's acceptable or what isn't or what we should like or what we shouldn't, uh, how dominant we should be versus how submissive we should be, all of those things really cloud our thinking.
0: And if, for example, you were someone who realized that your best sex is with a stra- stranger, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to spell the end of your relationship, because if you can then share that information with your partner, there are ways to create, to sort of mimic that feeling or, or create that sense of not knowing each other. Um, yeah. And and what a connecting thing that would be, just to share the information with your partner is such an A connecting act.
1: Yes, people can do this on their own um, and they can do this as an exercise of self reflection to inform their masturbation, to inform any casual sex they have, to inform a relationship that they're currently in. But they can also take it one step further. And um, in the document in the show notes about this, there's um, pointers of how to discuss this with a partner that people can use as guidance. But it's a really interesting thing to do because one of the risks of having sex with the same person again and again is that the sex itself becomes quite typecast and it starts to fall into habits and patterns that it's hard for people to break out of. And just doing this task brings in newness because here's two people who started to generate lots of different ideas and these things may have never been made conscious in their own mind or spoken about between the two Or maybe new preferences since when they got together five years ago or 10 years ago. They may not have liked X five years ago, but now it's something that they want to do. So it also brings newness and novelty into um, a relationship, which is something that's really important to keep desire and good sex over time. So people can look at this as an exercise of sharing this conditions triangle together, the conditions for good sex. And not having to feel as though that triangle is dictating what sex you should be having or that you need to be on the same page with this. Because as you said earlier, everyone's unique. And just because one person has written down that they like, um, you know, really deep kissing with tongues under their kind of physical stimulation corner of the triangle doesn't mean that that's what the other person wants to do. So it's not a fait accompli. That whatever's on your triangle is what you're going to be doing together. But it provides an opportunity to look and see where the crossover is, see where the maybes are that people are willing to explore, and see where the definite no's are. But within that conversation, it's quite interesting to ask the why question. So, why does that do it for you? And you mentioned the stranger thing earlier, and that's a perfect example. Why do you find that psychologically erotic? What is it about That connection with someone you don't know that really does it for you. And I would guess that a lot of people would say, it's the fact that I can be whoever I want to be, moment to moment, day to day, sexually, without someone having expectations of me. Well, yes, you can do that. And yes, we can build that in. You know, I won't say, oh, you don't usually do this. What's happening for you today? I won't draw attention to new things that you're doing because I know you value being different every time so so yeah we can sit together we can discuss it and we can start to ask each other questions without being defensive without certainly being critical there's a phrase from um, sex educators which is don't yuck somebody else's yum (laughs) Um, you know not being critical of what people like not being defensive or assuming you have to like it too but being genuinely curious you've written here that you like power play What do you mean by a power play? What kind of things is that? What would that look like? So those types of questions.
0: So going into this, you have to be really open and, as you say, not critical. And perhaps people shouldn't worry if they look at the two triangles and they seem poles apart, because actually it's about a process of finding where you do overlap like a, a Venn diagram yeah. and and what what i think is great about this exercise you've developed is it's doing multiple things because it's opening up communication about your sex life and what you like and what you don't like and often it's a conversation that people find really awkward even in really long-term relationships but you know let alone in 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 a new relationship or a casual relationship um so it's opening up communication it's increasing understanding of each other which is such an intimate thing and and such a connecting thing and is going to lead to better sex and it's also crucially it's a proactive step towards Mm. improving your experience of sex and yeah I think so often people are very passive when it comes to their sex lives and I think this exercise it's a way of choosing to be proactive about your sex life because it does require yes. work and effort, doesn't it, to get, to get the, it does. the good results? It
1: does. And we know that, um, you know, a lot of the data from sex research on sexual satisfaction and um, what helps people feel sexually satisfied, even in a long-term monogamous relationship, which is the biggest challenge to maintaining sexual satisfaction that humans have. So what are the key criteria? And there are two things the ability to be able to talk about sex with a partner, so communication, and uh, prioritizing sex and seeing it as something which requires intentional action to nurture. So this exercise, as you quite rightly point out, does both of those things. It helps with communication and it helps to say, we're on a team together and we're on a team
0: together that is prioritizing keeping our sex life good. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing it. Pleasure. All the, the sheets that people need will be in the show notes so they can just print them off. And I think it's important to say as well that you don't, anyone can do this at any stage of their life and multiple times. Because as you said, we're all evolving and our preferences and tastes when it comes to sex are going to change over time. Yeah. So you can do this regularly, presumably, and it's like an audit. It's yes, like, <laughs> do it regularly. I mean, I want to find a sexier word for it, but it's a bit like a, a sexual audit. And it's going to give you that data you need to um, to really have an understanding of yourself. And I love that it's going to encourage people to do that because I think that is all too rare. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I've just loved talking to you as always. Thanks for having me on another episode full of gold dust thanks to brilliant Karen. You can find full instructions for the triangle exercise in the show notes, but I wanted to leave you with a summary so you can start to think about it straight away. Think back and find your three most enjoyable sexual experiences and also find your three worst. Then put each experience through the following three filters. One, what was the psychological arousal? Two, what was the physical stimulation? And three, how in the moment were you? Once you have this data, then you can rake through your answers for the common factors. Is there anything that appears in all three of your best experiences? And what about your worst? This information could be a key to unlock better sex, both solo and with others. I wish you well.